Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Okay, so today we have someone who's uh, very interesting and has been described by other people as a force of nature. Um, he's done a lot of great work to help promote Ireland overseas. Um, so he's somebody who's definitely worth talking to. And also we have a very specific topic to talk about today that in terms of how it, something that he's doing can really help the planet. So I guess, first of all, who am I talking to today? And maybe just give us a brief introduction to, to what you do. Thank you, Simon. Gary Connolly is my name. I'm the founder, current founder of Host in Ireland, uh, born, born many, many decades ago, as you can probably guess, um, and the world's worst COBOL programmer ever. Ah. That just I just had to get that for a little bit of nostalgia for some of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I guess maybe give us the, you're from host in ireland but obviously not everyone knows what host in ireland is so maybe just explain yeah. what that is and then we'll talk about how how that led leads us to the to the bees thing that we're going to be talking about sure sure absolutely so so i guess we go back to 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 a little bit of history to be able to get some of the foundations of, mm -hmm. of how i arrived at establishing host in ireland in 2014 so as i said uh, in the intro i genuinely was um a a really bad in fact terrible cobalt programmer I, I just didn't have the discipline but when i came out of college what i realized simon was that uh, there are brilliant brilliant programmers and quite incredible people that have analytical brains that work at a certain level way way beyond my capabilities but sometimes and often um there's a disconnect between sort of the problem that a organization or a society might have um, and the people that have the solutions, which in this case were the engineers. And there was a disconnect uh, between them. And I found myself as that sort of meat in the middle of the sandwich because I understood programmers from spending two, three years with them. I also had a, a, a knowledge that... Uh, um, you know, unless you can communicate what the problem is clearly, then how can you possibly give a solution for either side? Um, and I found myself in this position, particularly in the 80s and 90s, when personal computers were coming on the scene. And you had this battle going on, Simon, between the mainframe people and the people who were on the, the mini computers and the personal computers yeah. and you had Bill Gates and you had all this sort of empowerment of people in their homes with a personal computer. So, so I realized early on, my role should be in the middle. It should be sort of connecting people who have a problem with a solution, trying to get people to work together, trying to get organizations to work together. And I was lucky enough to, to be right in the middle of the sort of the first or second wave of IT on the personal computer. And I, I found myself in 2014, if we went forward two or three decades, after disposing of, of, of a business that, um, the people I used to compete against, the data center people, the networking and data center people from, from companies that some of your listeners might know from Digital Realty and Equinix. And um, we sort of had a bet, Simon. They, okay. bet, they bet that I couldn't get them to work together. And I sort of upped the stakes slightly. I said, ah, lads, come on. I'm, I'm sure I could get you to work together. The real key and crux will be, I get you to work together and you'll pay me for the luxury. 
So, <laughs> and with that, then we all had some skin in the game, as they say. We all had a little sense of, okay, well, getting us to work together would be good, but us paying you, well, that's a step. So, hence, we, we formed Host in Ireland. And, and really what it was, um, and again, your listeners are probably familiar or, or, or otherwise, that Ireland has a great relationship with data going back to the 50s. Um, and particularly North American companies who are looking for a gateway or, a, a, yeah. or a access to the European market. So over the decades, you know, from mainframes to mini computers to Dell to Gateway to Oracle, right the way through to the cloud, um, it has always been that relationship with the data. And now we just, all of us, we, we consume, we generate, we distribute all of our data, bar very few, across some medium that's connected to the cloud. So that that is obviously data centers are very big part of what makes up the hardware services of that cloud. Um, and so we felt that around 2015, that it will be worth everybody's while uh, to promote Ireland as an optimum place to bring data. Yeah. Because as you know, we, we've spoken many times, we had data privacy, data security, data sovereignty, and that uh, um, GDPR milestone coming about three years after. So it was very clear that what was going to be more important than anything was to, to establish a clear understanding with the world on where Ireland stood with respect to data and GDPR and all that type of data privacy stuff. And if you could demonstrate that you were either on it, you understood it, then obviously where you rest your data is where you need your center. And that's what the business these guys were all in, data centers. Yeah. Um, and that's effectively how we started hosting Ireland. And uh, we've grown it. We've had some great fun. We've brought in all the different players in the ecosystem. Um, and we call ourselves a co-opetition. Um, which is trying to get cooperation among competitors, no more, no less. Yeah, um, and it's, it's been very successful. So, I, yeah, I think it, it's it's great to see something go from a concept to to a working coalition or however you call yeah. it. Yeah, cooperation. You you know what, Simon? It's a bit like um, um, you and I on this call. Why did I immediately jump and say yes? I'd love to join you for your show because I like you because I, I respect you, because I think you have a good program. I think you've got good uh, ethics. I think that you you stand for something. And that was the key ingredient uh, to me about establishing hosts in Ireland. Even if you had a billion dollar brand or a $50 billion brand, it didn't, you didn't buy the right to be a partner. So okay. that's effectively why we end up with uh, and t a 2020, uh, from our original five partners, we now have 30 partners. Um, and it's about what you give and what you take, how you work together, how you collaborate. And um, there are certain aspects, of course, where the secret sauce, as they say, um, that differentiates one company from another. But there's so much commonality in most businesses in the same industry, you know, like talent, like messaging, like yeah. trying to get the consistency of message. Um, um, and I often say, if you were buying a motor car and one Ford dealer told you something different about a car than the other Ford dealer told you about the same car, you probably have a niggling doubt that maybe neither of them are telling you the truth and you buy a Peugeot. 
And that's what's key when you're trying to promote a geographic location. So that was great, you know, getting the big competitors to all, within reason, say about Ireland the same things. Yeah. Um, and it's fun too because you see people grow and you see people um, in a market uh, that was globally as big, locally is not so big. And ultimately, they now have mutual respect for each other more maybe than if they didn't have a platform to work with each other on so yeah it's 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 so far so good and it's a fun spot to be in at the moment as the world goes digital right very much so and there'll only be a need for more of it and mm. you see i i think as well in in that thing that you're both in competition but you can see the bigger picture uh, to me that suggests why you maybe came up with what you did but maybe walk us through you've got this you've got this not a team but this this you know this loose confederation of tribes so yeah. so so what made you look at bees and how do bees become part of this so so it's a great question and it it actually came not from my day-to-day -day work at all it came um from my children i have an 11 year old child and a 17 year old daughter as well two two daughters and uh, about two years ago, Simon, my older girl came in and she was giving a talk about um, rising sea levels. Okay. And a little bit like Greta Thunberg and that, that they, 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 sometimes us adults, we talk too much in three-letter acronyms and we talk too much in technical jargon and we lose the audience. She walked in and she said to me, Dad, do you know that if things continue the way they're continuing with regard to the global warming, that Ireland's coast will be in Roscommon by 2050. Wow. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because we all know global warming. We all know the consequences. We all know the technical stuff. We all know about, or we don't know, but NXs and carbon emissions and, and, and so many particles per thousand. And it's it, it we can't tangibly think about it, Simon. Right? We it's we it's so big we don't. But when somebody tells you of a place that you know, Roscommon, which is inland for listeners that don't know Ireland that well, uh, quite a quite a stretch inland. That that's the coast. If you get two meters or one and a half meters or whatever it is of, of yeah. of, uh, then it hits you like a ton of bricks, doesn't it? You, you can immediately visualize it. So that was my older girl, and about a week later. And my younger girl came in and she was doing a thing uh, about the reduction in flowering heritage orchards in Ireland due to the reduction in pollinators. And I said, what's, what's a pollinator? And I was as blunt as that, what's a pollinator? Because to me, I know about pollination, but I didn't fully understand or appreciate. And she said, the bees. They're responsible for 70% of our food in some capacity. They're dying and being being uh, uh, made obsolete or, or, or extinct mm -hmm. at a rate of by 2050, 50% of the 100 uh, in Ireland, uh, the breeds that we have in Ireland will be extinct. And I actually dived into it. <laughs> it just said, tell me a bit more about this. How could that be possible? We're 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 a um a nation where we've got loads of grass and we've got loads of trees and we've got loads of agriculture. How could the bees be dying? So ultimately, after uh, um she did her project and I was looking over her shoulder, it was clear to me that a lot of the challenges um 
associated with pollinators um, are the same challenges that are associated with a lot of stuff around yeah. uh, uh, climate. Uh, uh, communication, making the message simple, understanding why they're declining, uh, and small things that we can all do. Uh, I think that's the key thing, and that's why um, with the community that, that I was working with, the data center guys and the hosting guys, we established um, an initiative called DCs for Bees. And uh, um, to avoid sort of the whole thing, David Attenborough often talks a lot um, about unintended consequences. You know, you feel yeah, you're doing yeah. the right thing, you feel it's okay, but you don't do enough research and you plant the wrong plant or you put the wrong tree in the wrong part of the garden. So rather than having that, because we had the momentum, we had data center and their community and their subsupply who were engaged. They said, okay, yeah, let's do something. So what we did, which I think was the, 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 the best thing we possibly could, was we actually partnered once again, because it's the ethos of what we do, with the Irish data center um, for um, pollination. And it's the it's the Irish Biodiversity Data Centre, part of the government that looks after all aspects of uh, biodiversity, including the pollinators. And with their technical guidance and with their assistance, because they know what they're doing, we're just enthusiastic amateurs, right? Yeah. They were able to put together with us a pollinator plan for the whole industry. So, and and, and that's important to say the whole industry because some of the industry only have a small office with a a, um, a small porch. So what could they put in? They can't put out two acres of, of uh, indigenous seeds. So they were able to install um, bee boxes or they were able to install high flowering 365 day a year plants. So that's what we worked with them around. That was the focal point, a pollinator plan that could have start, middle and end. And then that that is the backbone of the initiative. And 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 then we brought in ambassadors. Um, if I'm incorrectly in saying you yourself were one of the first people that said, oh, I, I like the sound of this. I might get involved in it. I think you're an ambassador. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. I should disclose my interests. <laughs> disclose your interests. But that is the whole essence of what I think everybody should be doing is don't hold anything close to your chest. If you've got something and it's good enough for one community and you can bring in other people and you can bring on other uh, parts of society, because because this is something that we all have to be part of in our in our day to day uh, um, lives. But the main thing that we found with this Simon and if, if I could express this more than anything to your listeners is it created such a wonderful sense of community within the data center industry yeah because they're competitors right they're out beating each other at different levels they're winning they're losing um but this sort of shared experience of planting trees this shared experience of building a pollinator plan and spreading indigenous seeds. Actually, then people came back and they said, God, that was great. It was something different. It was cool. giving back. But it was the whole sense of community and spirit. And that's the thing that's keeping it going. Now, we're in 
interesting times let's say at the moment let's call it that for the purpose of this discussion it's hard to get out and do a lot of stuff and yet um we find that uh if there aren't any other areas of common interest among competitors okay so so look that's very positive and it shows you almost maybe need the bees because it's something that no one's going to lose or win in terms of business but they win in a bigger picture and they have a, a, a common sense of uh, purpose so it's it, you know it almost is unintentionally uh, a brilliant um so go, going forwards um if what what would good look like uh, like what do you guys have planned to do next or what would you what would your wish list be now that you've achieved this degree of collaboration and engagement amongst a, a pool of c potentially competing tribes so what, what, what when you consider any industry has tentacles into other industries. So, so for instance, Simon, when you look at a, a data ecosystem or the data center ecosystem, it's the same supply chain in the main that supply data centers, that supply pharmaceuticals, they supply the building of um, hospitals and offices, etc. And what now we're finding is that some of the participants now have have embedded the whole pollinator plan into their own. Uh, ESG or their own CSR and now they're starting to introduce it say to the hotel industry they're starting okay, to okay interesting to they're starting to ask questions about some of the projects they're doing in light industrial in pharmaceutical and um ultimately that's what you want to happen you want to create a fabric or a framework that's easily transportable outside of or or, or across different industry sectors and um the other thing that and, and that is working quite effectively the other side of it is is that um uh, in ireland maybe some of your listeners are familiar with the with that ireland now is really getting going with renewable energy both uh, um onshore uh, wind is now being augmented with solar now solar okay. solar as it happens uh, takes quite a lot of land and in between the solar panels, et cetera, is also quite a lot of land, perfect for indigenous flowers. So if you can imagine, by us actually demonstrating our community spirit, it's, it's spilling over into some of our supply chain because data centers need renewable energy. Renewable energy is what, what uh, fires them up and you export the data. And now that's having a, a galvanizing effect that they can actually put these pollinators high high octane pollinators indigenous pollinators as part of their offering so that, that that's what we want to happen in 2021 more cross sectorial um activity the other that's really interesting and it's it's, it's quite exciting um is it also doesn't it doesn't have any boundaries in terms of geography in terms of uh, borders and we're actually already in uh, discussions with some of our um equivalents in some of the countries in in europe and actually in north america um in, in the netherlands in particular uh, where they'd like to look at embracing a pollinator plan for their country okay in, their, in the industry and um, because obviously the one in ireland is great but you, it doesn't transport across because you've got to have indigenous uh, yeah different types of flowers and all the rest of it so it's amazing when you're a for potential first mover in something that's abstract like you it, it, there isn't a natural fit with let's say data centers and pollinators 
However, once you can demonstrate that it works, that it's action, because I, I also um, believe that the whole essence of what we do, whether it's in hosting Ireland or in DCs for Bees or some of the other, we had COVID Sunrise, for instance, that we did this year, is there's a lot of awareness and advocacy in a lot of sectors. It has to be and must be backed up with action. It's the three A's, advocacy, awareness, and action. And you know some of, of our team, they're, they're absolutely wonderful. Um, and I'd be just crazy um, action. I'd be an action man. I, I, I nearly want to start with the action and then we follow it up afterwards, <laughs> all the other stuff. But I, 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 do, I do find that action stimulates other activity and it gives people because you know we procrastinate too much often we, we we look at sort of the what ifs too much so what we did with this case with the with the dcs for bees is we just rang the pollinator people in ireland the natural biodiversity center we said we want to plant as a first action ten thousand trees or five thousand trees or eight thousand trees and they said yes here are the the the, the uh the national woodland trust you know so just setting yourself a target and going after it and it's amazing then what happens and the ideas that come through and now we've got 25 to 30 ambassadors some from host in ireland others from other activities so i think ultimately that will be the three things that will be great at the end of 2021 first thing more cross industry sector um, um, support and working with same people but in other industries second thing will be to to help other geographic areas to develop their own um pollinator plans and the third thing then would be um to really roll out the ambassador idea the ambassador the, the dcb's amb ambassador program um and get people actually more informed and educated but getting back to the start it all started probably like a lot of people my my fundamental awareness of the problem was via my two kids they yeah. to me in a way that even i understood it and um that's what i liked you know the the, the ross common comment and the 50 percent of our little pollinators will be gone by 2050 and I, I, you know, I, I only have to think back to when I was a kid, you know. So, so I guess it's it's a matter of that. Maybe I could help in some small way, or others could help in some small way to reverse it, so that they can, their kids can get a childhood yeah. like I had. So, in little small little steps like that. So. Look, I think it's great. And I think, you know, it's that thing about being, you know, we all need to be a bit more grown up and think maybe more cross generationally as, you know, previously, you know, Native Americans did, you know, you're only yeah. temporarily here, you should look after it, you should leave it in better state than you got it. And, you know, we've probably been guilty of not doing that. So I think making it understandable from a child upwards is actually required yeah. smart you can go into the details afterwards but you need to articulate why it's important um you know to, to push back against you know people say fake news and you know i don't want to listen to the science but that's that's a crazy way to be so i think you know what you're articulating is is important and 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 you know like we owe it to ourselves because otherwise you know you know we haven't really done a great job of parenting if if we leave the kids and the grandkids in a crappier place than than, than what we were able to enjoy so yeah, i hear I, you i think I, um, think I think you're right I, yeah. I, I have a question for you just from we were chatting before about 
based upon your activities and your advocacy, you have been given an amazing invitation to talk at the Al Gore event. So maybe just explain about that and explain, because it, it, it really shows how bigger picture environmental projects are realizing the value of engaging with kind of the tech and the hardware. So, so, so what's your gig there? You're right. You're so right. And thank you. Thank you for reminding me. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a global 24 hours um, uh, climate reality, it was called. And the, the section that we were speaking about was effectively digital transformation as a set of tools to fight climate change. So how could we discuss data and all that's with it? And how is it being used? to actually be a positive in, in, our, in our collective desire to um, reduce our effects on climate change. And the angle that I took, Simon, was very simple, is that when you think of all the data that we are creating, and some of it is, you know, good data, some of it's great data, and some of it is not so good data. And let's then look at anything that you classify as a smart device and my goodness when you think about smart thermostats smart grids smart uh, cars smart cities and fundamentally all of that if you look take back the fabric of why you said it earlier which i liked which you said ask the reason why fundamentally are we trying to get smarter cities and you'll probably find it's to reduce energy or to reduce electricity usage, or to increase the efficiencies of non-food waste, but it's or, or, or to or, you know measure the amount of uh, um, air quality or, or, or lack of air quality, so that we can do something positive about it. But all of that is only possible via data. So the data that's been collected, gathered, stored forwarded is actually the positive when it's sent back to the devices or sent out to the receptors to do some action and it was to try and get across that because there is a growing massive concern that the digital transformation of the planet is in itself responsible for global change if that makes any sense is that the overhead associated with this digital infrastructure is actually causing climate change as much as reversing it and it was important for us to to be able to say hold on a second let's look at a smart thermostat just one device which is um um the Google, I think it's Google, is a good, yeah, Google Nest thermostat. Oh, yeah. Eight years old. And they have anecdotal data and information that can demonstrate that over the eight years that those devices, 50 million of them, whatever, have been measuring, monitoring, reducing, increasing, looking at outside air temperature, effectively getting to know the users or the, the, the profile of the users in the home that there is enough electricity has been saved daily that could make uh, every electric car drive around the world every day of every week of every year. So wow. effectively, you, ha you have incredible statistics. So when we wind that back and we say, okay, I get that, but what, what do you mean by data? 
Well, the data is actually what makes the thermostat smart, not the hardware. So yeah. the data that resides in a center somewhere or on a device somewhere is actually reducing the amount of electricity that's been used in the home or the amount of oil, if it's oil, or the gas, if it's gas. And that's where we're starting to see all the way through. At the moment in Ireland, for instance, for listeners, we're just about to get our smart grid um, meters, the meters in our houses that ultimately are going to allow us to be what they classify as a prosumer. Now, a prosumer, in case you didn't know, is someone who can buy electricity and sell electricity onto the grid. So this, this meter effectively is, if you solar panels on your roof and the grid needs electricity, you can sell into the grid. If it doesn't and you need electricity, you can come off it. So it's this prosumer idea where we're all actually active as distinct to the traditional way, for instance, with electricity, with huge, big turbines somewhere and all the rest of us just consumed it. But where's the intelligence for that to work is all in the smart meter. What makes the meter smart? Data. So it was to connect the whole idea of data as a catalyst to reduce the effects of carbon or the creation of the effects of carbon. And even on this uh, um, platform, we, we, we use Teams or Zoom, for instance, we were able to demonstrate that um, Zoom, for instance, a, a hour of Zoom, if you were to equate that to equivalent of a return flight to Hong Kong okay. in emissions, you would be 5,662 days on Zoom. Wow. So, <laughs> so what, what, what the idea was, again, going back to my young daughter about the, the uh, you know, the, you, we must start now to give people pictures in their minds that they can relate to because we are in data overload. We turn on the news, we turn on the internet, we turn on our social media. There's so much stuff coming at us at such a phenomenal rate. We need to nearly go back, in my opinion, to the caveman where we just draw what's important on the side of the cave and we refer to that every day. And that's a bit like you know this attack at the moment on all data is bad and it's adding to our overhead well actually there are certain sectors of the data sphere that's bad like everything in society i love soccer and when i was growing up in the 70s the way that you listen to the press all soccer supporters were hooligans all of them <laughs> when in actual fact it was only a tiny percentage wasn't it so yeah, I used to go to the games. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you used to go to the games. So you remember, you, 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 but but if you looked at the thousand people who went to a soccer match, it was a tiny percentage that wanted to fight, and yeah. yet everybody outside of the industry or outside of soccer said, "Oh, that's the hooligans only support soccer." It's the same regarding data centers. Whereas we have to explain to people, and, and it's, it's our job in technology, same as it's in, in one of your other loves, blockchain. You know, you've got to explain to people cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, the whole thing. You've got to explain intangible, what does that mean? 
what how can i use that ways and that's what we have to do with data and um, um, to try and show people through tools that they use daily like zoom my goodness zoom has become a verb yeah, um, yeah. we now say well an hour zoom is the same as we had some funny ones too four and a half bottles uh, sorry uh, four days of zoom is the same as a bottle of wine oh so, okay there you go and we had it down to bananas so you could see that you were starting to actually yeah. say you everything has an overhead no question even stuff that you might think has an overhead like a banana or like a bottle of wine but then you've got to equate it to uh, uh alternatives and that's what we try to do with that and um did we successfully demonstrate i think it, you never know but it got certainly people thinking Mm. that and even if all they took away was a zoom call is equivalent to 5600 whatever days <laughs> of uh, or a sorry return flight to hong kong is the same as over 5000 days on zoom in its direct effect on on carbon emissions and stuff um so that was that that was what that was about and and i think that uh, it was fun if nothing else i met some incredible people um who have forgotten more about the subject matter of climate change than I'll probably ever know. That's the truth. So all I try to do with my capabilities and with the network that I have is make people more aware via simplistic analogies or pictures or stories. And I think that that's sort of the skill, if any, that I bring to the party really. Yeah, look, I think it's great. And, and you know, I mean, to, to come full circle, uh, yeah, I was a terrible Java programmer, but I realized that you still need to be the glue between the excellent programmers and the rest of the world. So like yeah. you say, if, if you can communicate in a way that people understand just quite what the difference between hopping on that flight to Hong Kong or maybe just doing a call and do you achieve the same goals, you know, then then that's a smart play. Um, so I think it's been really interesting to talk to you and I hope it's helped to visualize things for people. How do people find out about what you do, what you're working on? What are the best ways for people to come across you? The best way right now is to go on to www. Oh, that's some of my age, isn't it? I know that nobody says that anymore, but hostinireland.com and all, okay. our all of our initiatives are there from the Host in Ireland initiative itself to DCs for bees, and also uh, you'll also see a newer 2020 initiative called COVID Sunrise, where again, we demonstrated that uh, with our reach of network, at a time when people were, were seeking the planet for PPE through our network, we were able to identify over 48 sources for PPE outside of the normal routes for our health service uh, executive. And you'll like this one, uh, Simon. Uh, when we realized early that uh, there was such a lockdown um, in the nursing homes, uh, we worked with a, a group um, to, to supply over a thousand uh, tablets to these people so that they could communicate with their loved ones outside. And, and, and it's the speed by which we can, you know, call upon trusted sources execute these types of things and um, i think that's what what's great about hosting ireland and that co-opetition you build a sort of a moat of trust among yourselves that you trust each other 
So sometimes you don't know the full logic. I just rang the guys up and I said, you know, we need to get a few quid together. We need to get a thousand um, tablets to end times number of nursing homes. And most of the people just said, okay, that sounds great. And just wrote the check rather than asking, oh, well, we have to go through PO systems and all this type of stuff. So I often think that that, that circle of trust is great if you can if you can build it and sustain it but hostingireland.com you'll find out all about our initiatives and um, and thank you so much i really do appreciate you uh, having me on your show it's been fun look thank you very much and uh it's 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 such an interesting thing that hopefully we can talk again maybe next spring next summer about yeah. bees and whatever else is new so uh, thanks again you're very welcome thank you simon We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.